Hey, welcome to No Guitar Is Safe. My name is Jude Gold. This is a guitar podcast. You plug in with great guitar players. My only goal here is to bring you, with each episode, an amazing guitar player. That killer jam you're hearing is called Alpha 4. It's released by Pearl Lion. In other words, by Jared Sharp, the man who is also known as Pearl Lion. The man who you may have seen on Saturday Night Live on the house band for the last nine years and counting. Fantastic guitar player. And the song is called Alpha 4. We'll get into how he created that. We'll also get into what it's been like to be in the SNL band for all these years. I've always had mad respect for him. Well, I shouldn't say always. I think I kind of got to know Jared through James Valentine on Facebook. James, of course, is the great guitar player Maroon 5 from episode 3 of this very podcast. You definitely want to hear that one if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, Great stories, great playing, great songs. James's life has been incredible and he's very inspiring. And also, James, what a bro again. He's always just a total bro. This time he let me and Jared jam out in his living room in his wonderful house. I'm playing through a divided by 13 head that is such a killer amp that it's there's a funny story that we wrote about in Guitar Player Magazine a while ago where, where James was going to give it to John Mayer, his buddy from Berkeley School of Music. He put a little plaque on the back of it, you know, to John, happy birthday or something like that. But then he just tried it out once in the studio and it was so killer that he wouldn't give it back. He didn't actually end up giving it to John Mayer, but that's okay. We all know John Mayer has a, like, a bunch of dumbbells nowadays and he can buy a couple amps of his own. But anyway, so I'm plugging through that amp. Jared is plugged through a killer car amp, one of those little tube combos. Tubes for days going on in this living room. Thank you, James, so much for letting us take over, not just your living room, but kind of like we were cranked up in that room. You're going to hear the walls echoing. You're going to hear some room sound when we're playing because we were making a racket. And yes, James Valentine does make a few hilarious cameos At least I think they're hilarious cameo appearances in the middle of this interview. So I hope you dig those, those little parts. And the thing is like two hours long today because me and Jared, Jared Scharf, we're just cruising. Jared Scharf is an interesting cat. He's definitely a modern player with an old soul. He's got the stinging blues feel, but his tunes are so modern sounding. In fact, I mean, I don't even like the word modern. It's just, he's just got a refreshing take on the guitar's role in the universe, as you're going to find out. He's got a refreshing take on music in 2016. He's just an inspired cat that's going to inspire you. Smart as fuck, too. I like the guy, and I only knew him from the Saturday Night Live band and from his kind of uh, his cool YouTube series, Unnecessary Shredding, which we're going to get into, of course got to figure out what that's all about but just getting to know him i learned a whole bunch of of other cool approaches to to music i think you will too he's a badass always want to bring you a badass last week or a couple weeks ago i was on tour in scandinavia so there's been a little delay i appreciate your patience everybody going to be weekly for a few weeks here now i was uh, i did a jefferson starship thing we went to sweden denmark where else do we go Finland. I went to Finland for the first time. I'm half Finnish. Do I have any Finnish friends out there? 
Got to play in Helsinki at the House of Culture. It was amazing. And we also hit Norway. But anyway, back on the block. Yeah, we're going to start firing off these podcasts because I have a bunch of them in the can, including one with Mr. Steve Vai, which will run on June 24th when his new double album comes out. You can learn all about that in the cover story I just wrote for Guitar Player Magazine on Steve Vai. Went over to his house, interviewed him. You're going to like that. That cover story will be out any day now to readers' mailboxes, maybe a little later on the music on the newsstand. So keep your ears on. Before we get started with Jared, just got to, as always, thank Guitar Player Magazine. This is an independent thing, but they support it. And I can't thank them enough for believing in it from the very first episode. Thanks, Guitar Player and Bill Amstutz and Michael Belinda. Now, let's fire up the guitar copter and, you know, Jared Scharf is in L.A. from New York. We've got to hang out with him. We're going to head over to James's house. By the way, if you're wondering who's who in the first jam, well, Jared's kind of leading things off and doing the calls, and I'm sort of doing the responses. He's identifiable because he's got a really stinging tone, a lot of bite to it, and he's also got some pedals and vibrato, you know, like a tremolo thing and this and that, while I'm just going straight the whole episode, just a guitar cable into the amp. Hope you enjoy it. So let's get in the copter. We're only going to fly just five or six tax brackets up the hill from here, if you know what I mean. Thanks for listening. No guitar is safe. getting weird. Oh, oh the delays. <laughs> 
chord and that vibrato what did you got going on there uh that's a just you know a tremolo pedal it's a q sack tap oh it's just a regular tremolo yeah it's very i use his um he's got that uh two switched which i think is always really good for like live applications but in the studio i just i just use the one wait wait what do you mean two switch what huh it's got the two switch um where you can do the tap tempo for the tremolo yes just clutch yeah, you got so it. clutch. Wait, what's the brand name on that? I should recognize it's that. It's Cusack. Pedal. Cusack oh, yeah. Music. Yeah, I like his stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. I've been using it for a long time. Super psychedelic looking too, man. It's just... It's crazy, bro. Straight pulsating. You got the cr- clear... Yeah, you got the clear blue LED. Yeah, so man, I'm have, I don't even know where to begin with you, brother. But... uh Hi. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Jared Sharp. Where did you grow up, first of all? I grew up in Rockland County, New York. And then tell me about this hockey business. You, you, <laughs> I, I have a. I think most people have an image of what hockey players look like. You don't have enough scars. Not or yet. Brutality. Not yet. <laughs> What's the deal um, with this? You know, it's, it's it's something that started when I was a kid. I have this piece of construction paper that my parents saved. You know, when you're young, you write like what you want to be, and um, it says I want to be a hockey player and a musician. So I guess I got one out of the two. So that's good. But now I'm working on the other. <laughs> There's still time. It's a little late to go pro, but I I do wish sometimes I I could play pro hockey. So what does that entail? Like, first of all, when did you start skating on hockey skates? I remember when I graduated from figure skates to hockey skates, that was kind of a big deal. Well, I used to go skating a lot with my mom and my sister, like when we were kids, and I just loved it. My parents were like, going to sign me up for ice hockey lessons and skating lessons and the whole thing. And then... Once they heard about all the like gear you had to buy and all the craziness that it was going to be, they're just like, nah, like you're you're cool, it's fine, you're you're good. Because I did a lot of sports, but I was not into like, I wasn't really into it, you know. Did you ever have the pleasure of like body checking your sibling, your sister at the no, at the rink? No, 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 no. I probably didn't even know. You're a good kid. Yeah. You so, know how I know you didn't do that because she lent you her nice new car here in L.A. for the week. That's right. Well, for the day. For the Whenever day. she's oh. not using it, if I have to go somewhere, I can borrow it. Awesome. And what brings you out here for this week anyway? You know, I I used to come out here all the time, almost to the the point where I was here more than I was in New York. So SNL, like, you know, we have 21 or 22 shows a season. So I would be out here during the breaks and all summer. Honestly, this is where the majority of like my friends and family and work stuff is. So 
I just try to come out here as much as I can. Like since I've been here, I've been here for a couple of days. I already did like uh, a couple of different sessions and, you know, just catching up with the friends. Like I was here at James Valentine's house from room five, which we are sitting in his living room right now doing this. Playing his guitars, (laughs) using his Royer mic and (laughs) yeah, we're literally (laughs) using his, his custom Valentine, which he'll be very excited about. And they're great guitars. They are Ernie Ball music, man. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I, you know, met up with James, like we were jamming, he was showing me the guitar yesterday. So I'm just like running around, catching up with everybody, trying to get work accomplished, working on different you know pearl lion remix stuff or pearl lion like new material as well as other session work like i just did a session with um mc no can do who he's like um he's like a rapper like who's pretty popular like out in i guess like la and like you know i'm not sure like how crazy he is but he's pretty popular here he was doing low end theory which is my favorite music night in LA it's all beat maker stuff like that's where Flying Lotus and Thundercat and all those dudes came from and Gas Amp Killer DJs and DJ Daddy Kev it's like the one place to go on Wednesday night and it's cutting edge music and it's all like beats and synths and stuff and like to be honest that's what inspires me not guitar you know like we I was saying to you earlier but I love guitar and it's like it's my blood it's my arms it's my limbs but Right. It just happens to be the way that I can like musically express myself the best, but I love like dr- I'm as a drummer first, so I love beat music and what people do on computers these days I think is mind blowing and so if you want to see cutting edge music, go to Low in Theory. So I'm going there tonight. Oh, cool. And so anyway, yeah, I'm just running around doing everything and doing checking out like all of what LA has to offer. And most importantly, my niece and sister and brother in law are here, so Oh, cool. How old is yeah, she? She's four. Ah, so sorry. we just, she just learned Snapchat, like all the filters. So I've been doing all the filter stuff with her, like making the faces and she freaks out. She loves it. And she's starting to learn hockey. Well, she's starting to watch. So she watches with me. Now we're, we're going skating for the first time on Saturday. Awesome. Now I really <laughs> want to know, you know what I want to know from you is what is, I think every guitar player who's ever watched TV wants to know what is a, what's a week like for a guitarist who's in the Saturday night, band, Saturday night live band. But first, tell me about this unnecessary shredding business that you do. What is that? Okay. Unnecessary shredding is a concept that I kind of co-created. I can't take full responsibility for it. Um, I came up with this idea. Well, I've been doing SNL for nine years, nine seasons now. And I just, and I'm not really playing live anymore. I kind of just mostly do production stuff and, and make my own music. And when I do do gigs, they're kind of like how the guitar player in Sting's Rainforest band that plays Carnegie Hall with like Nile Rogers and weird things. And You're like, okay, Sting, I'll help you out. I don't normally <laughs> go out of the house, but. Well, no, it's just like, you know, not, not many people, you can't invite your friends to that. You know, it's like expensive ticket. It's like a whole thing. So I don't really do like a lot of normal gigs. So I just kind of was like, what can I do to get my name and face out there and like my playing and like just show people that I actually play guitar because I felt like it's been years since I hadn't done anything. So I was talking about doing like these R. Kelly videos where like I'd play all of like R. Kelly, like an R. Kelly song, like a section and get all those like melodic runs and all those things. He's like, yeah, yeah, like all that stuff. And I was talking to my buddy, Nick Megalis, who's like a Vine star uh, about this. And he's like, dude, why don't you just like shred to Taylor Swift and call it unnecessary shredding? And I was like, that's a great idea. I then took that and then I came up with the idea to like, all right, well, I'll, I'll do pop songs. I'll do no more than a minute video and I'll 
I'll just, you know, just jam out to like this stuff. I'll record it to Pro Tools with like a good sound so that it actually sounds great. And make it like a whole thing. So I started doing that. And then I started taking it to like the next level, like when I was in Paris this summer and I, I did four videos in front of the Eiffel Tower. So I did that remotely, just laptop, headphones, guitar, had a buddy of mine shoot it. And then I reamped everything with the Kemper profiler when nice. I got back and it sounded awesome. So I'm just starting to like do weird, <laughs> crazy shit. With so the idea is a, a, maybe a pop song that maybe doesn't even have any guitar or? Yeah, it was honestly, it was just, I wanted to do what I did as a kid. I used to just jam out like to songs. That was my always, the thing I always did when I was younger. I just said the same thing three times in a row, basically. Um, I always just would jam to like Almond Brothers and Hendrix and Fish and Steve Ray Vaughan and Clapton and Pearl Jam and all these things. And I just was like, I'll just jam to like pop. I love pop music. I'll just jam to that. And it was a great idea that Nick had and through, through what we were talking about. And I thought it would be good for exposure. Like, Cause then you know you have like a Taylor Swift song, which they don't let you do anymore because it's copyright thing. But like you you have to look at who uh, what songs you can are sorry what songs are allowed on YouTube to use their like master. So but I learned all of this like I did all about that bass and like I, it was not allowed I couldn't use it and Taylor I did a Taylor Swift one it was my favorite one couldn't use it. So I started to learn all the ins and outs of what that was. Um, but yeah, so it was just kind of, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to jam out. Do you think that we could uh, have you uh, demonstrate an example of unnecessary shred? Oh boy. I've got just about every song in the world, except for Taylor Swift, I think, on Spotify. Because if I remember correctly, she doesn't endorse that shit. Oh man. <clears throat> yeah, I think we could do that. Well, what's the, like? A, which one would you like to start with? Then maybe I'll throw some at you. Yeah, why don't you just test me? All right, I'm just going to throw a random... Maybe I'm going to use this Nash Strat for this. No, actually, no, I'll use this. Go for the humbucking. Depends on the song, yeah. Get some grit. You're going to play it just through your phone? No, I'm going to play it through that amp. Oh, cool. Pick it up and point it right at you. Oh, here he is. Here he is, everybody. James Valentine. James Valentine walking in the door. Fresh from tennis. (laughs) He plays tennis, I play hockey. Yeah, he does. What's up, bro? We're both using your guitars. Dude, yeah. <laughs> we have so taken over your house. That's what I like, dude. I brought, two, I like yeah. this. I brought two of mine, but I'm still using yours. Yeah, fuck your guitar. The police did come, but we turned down, I think. Awesome, We're great. Good. good to see you, man. See you, dude. Yeah, we got loud. Were you, were you hoping for some peace and quiet when it you got home? It wasn't that loud. <laughs> no, my ears were ringing. We, we, we got pretty loud. Yeah, I rock out. You yeah. rock out. <laughs> we're in rock bands, kind of. Sort of. Sort of. Pop rock. Pop rock. And TV rock. Yeah. I don't want to get in your guys' way. Oh, no. You're I'm welcome. I'm going to go take a shower. Fresh in the court. Yeah, bro. All right. Well, you guys, do your thing. Feel free <laughs> don't mind me. You guys want any snacks? <laughs> I, th- I, I think he's going to test me on some unnecessary shredding. Oh, great. He's feel gonna... free to chime in or throw shit at us anytime. Yeah, test him on... Uh... On Maroon Five riffs, only he's, he's the only he's the only player to ever. <laughs> Jared Sharp is the only player to attempt to fill the massive giant shoes of James Valentine. I thought his name was James Motherfucking Valentine. James Motherfucking Valentine. In Russia. In Russia, they we wouldn't allow that to happen on American <laughs> soil. It's just it's it's too it? dangerous. It's too toxic. 
Only. <laughs> what was the deal? Was it you, were you having passport problems or something, James? No. It was, <laughs> yeah, I was having passport problems. Russia didn't want me there just because, you know, of what my guitar playing could just, the freedom that it could unleash. Like Sharon Yobel 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They already had that. No, actually, we got an offer for a gig like a week before um and it happened to be on the day of my little sister's wedding so it was the the first and only maroon five gig that i've ever missed but jared came in learned all the tunes 18 songs 18 songs flew all the way to russia with 18 songs with hits jam jam sections solo breaks and like new material live additional (laughs) bonus things i had one day with james to learn all of the parts which can't really hear that much on the albums (laughs) (laughs) sorry bro and and then i had like a 30 minute like question and answer jam with like mickey and jesse or something and in a like it was ridiculous and then the first time i played my first full song with adam and the entire band and a full song was at the gig I only messed up once. Pro. Pro. The only time I messed up, the one breakdown to this love when it's just guitar. Uh, <laughs> That's where I fucked up. We don't even do that anymore. Yeah, great. That's a good song. You guys so should thanks, do that James. again. James. No, no. You're talking about the breakdown. Yeah, the breakdown. Oh, yeah, yeah. The breakdown. No, we do definitely do that song. So how, what was the report? How did he do? What did the other band members say about Jared after that gig? They just said, James, you can't ever miss another gig ever. No, just, <laughs> no they... Uh, um, I, you know, I was nervous to have Jared do it because he's such a great player. I don't want them to get an idea of what it could sound like <laughs> with someone who's got that, who's got those chops. But so no, they were like, man, he sounded great. It was awesome. Well, now, now let's document it. Oh, I'm definitely going to Snapchat this now that you're both playing Valentine guitars. Definitely going to snap this. Dude, these Boom. guitars are great, man. Seriously. I saw you at Nam with this guitar and dude. I've been rocking badass. this two days in a row. I love it. It's such a good guitar that I've actually been thinking about it since Nam. Well, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna leave today with this guitar. I'm not letting you take it. I have to take it to Mexico. Screw Listen, that. As soon as, we, as soon as more than like four of these exist, both. You get a guitar. You get a guitar. <laughs> we all, we all get guitars. Sign me up for that. <laughs> James is the Oprah of guitars. I'm the Oprah. All right, James. Sorry. James Sorry. Valentine in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody, James Valentine, round of applause. It was nice to talk to you, but you definitely smell like you need a shower, brother. I definitely do. Did you have a good game? Uh, yes, I won. Nice. All right. Six two. Yannick uh, Wisdala. I beat him. He's a, a bass player of note, and oh. I decimated him on the court today. So let it be known. <laughs> right. James is as serious about tennis as I am about hockey. I know. He, he got a car that holds his rackets in the back. He made sure the trunk actually fit it. Oh, my God. Right. That's crazy. All right. Nice little minor, minor second right there. <laughs> How was that for you when you showed up in Russia with a giant, probably a big arena? Was that your first arena game? It was not an arena. And no, I have played Madison Square Garden. Thank you very much. (laughs) God, I thought you did your research. (laughs) Uh, It's no fun if I actually do research. Man. You know, I've done some, I've done the crappiest of crappy gigs that you can imagine and have left guitars there (laughs) and had to go back, luckily, finding them. And I've done the craziest of crazies. So, you know, everything in between. 
<laughs> yeah, man. So uh, shit. Well, let's 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 have you uh, demonstrate some unnecessary shredding oh here. Oh my god! All right, um, let's see if I can shred on this guitar. It's great for uh, the beauty, the beautiful stuff. But I haven't shredded like hardcore solo on it yet. We'll see. Shit, it really sings though, doesn't it? Like, like listen to that. It so, really does. It's yeah. So, such a clear tone, man. That's exactly how I remember it at the NAM show. It's so amazing. I'm really blown away. I'm trying to think of a song that, that needs it. I don't think that I was going to get you. Shania. None of these songs. That's the whole thing. None of these songs <laughs> need what I'm doing. That's kind of, it's kind of a joke, but I play seriously. Like I play this solo seriously, but I'm kind of think it's funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's totally unnecessary, hence the name. Do People get one? so mad. They're like, dude, that's not shredding. Like, I'll get YouTube comments, and I just write back. I'm like, dude, it's all good. Like, chill. Like, it's just fun. <laughs> just, like, having fun. We don't need to get crazy. How about in honor of somebody who recently passed? A lot of notes. Okay, I got one for you. We're going to go 80s. Oh, yeah, okay. But I also don't know how to shred. <laughs> well, we know it's not really shredding. I think this one's an A major. What is this? Whitney Houston. Just straight over this shit, right at the top, dude. Oh my god. No, man, you gotta do choruses. You gotta, like, it's gotta be, like, no, 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 just fast forward it. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you need some energy, you know? Oh my god, this is amazing. That's like kind of what I would do, but I would, I would try to find, I would try to find something more up so that those 30 seconds or 40 seconds could be a little more like, yeah. Now what's been one of show us maybe one that's been like one of your more popular unnecessary shreds. Well, the Taylor Swift one was doing really, really well. And then it got shut down. Yeah. I don't think she's on here. That was my favorite one. Right. Any, any other ones that. Just another quick example and we'll move on. I usually have to, I usually like have to look on iTunes and see what's pop, like in top 40. And that's how I pick. Know what I'm saying? You like Pitbull? Okay, that's good. I like Pitbull. That's a good one. Oh my God. Kind of a weird key with it. <laughs> I love it, man. So that's what I do. That would be funny. We should do one more. Like we should do things like that where we get like a 15 second clip of a few, and then you just. Yeah, I think I'm like on the Billboard 100. Oh yeah, that's fine. 
I, here's one I wanted you to do. Wow. Can we skip to the chorus? Hello. No, because this one I might. Hello. This one I might just jam on. This one I would get like weird with. I'm in California solo kind of yeah i mean you get people's attention with the word shred but then really it's like unnecessary lead guitar yeah it's unnecessary great. jamming it's just so fun because that's exactly what i think we all do when a song comes on the radio and we happen to have a guitar in our hands especially one that's plugged in absolutely i actually recommend that to people too because if you're playing against a song you can really practice getting your bends in tune and harmonizing and 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 playing yeah. the changes. It's Dude, good. That, that's like, that was my biggest way of learning how to play guitar. I mean, granted, I'm, I love lead guitar. Like that's my favorite thing to do. Cause I, I'm a melody guy. So when I was a kid, I would just put on live, like Allman Brothers Live at Great Woods. I'd put on Live at Great Woods and I would just play that thing out, man. I would play like the Blue Sky solos and Whipping Post. I would study their solos. I would play them. I would also do my own thing. And that's kind of how I learned how to develop a style and lead playing. And actually, Blue Sky on Eat a Peach, I remember getting my Guitar World I got Guitar World magazine, like my subscription or whatever. I've heard of that magazine. Yeah. I'm just kidding. It's the same company. Nowadays, it's the same company. Yeah, it's, as guitar isn't that player. crazy? Um, so I got Guitar World, and I'm, it had a Steve Vai cover, I think, and it had Blue Sky transcription from E to Peach. I didn't know the major scale yet, and I learned all those licks, and they had all those lines like... like you know... Uh, all those blue sky licks, um, they're like, uh, 
like all those Dicky Bat. I learned those solos, and that's kind of how I learned the major scale. And so I would kind of play those licks until I learned all those little patterns and those little riffs, and then I eventually learned the major scale. But I had this whole repertoire already. Very that's how sweet. I learned. I love that reverb tone you've been getting since the since the Adele song, and that's actually the Memory Man. I think the reverb is on the, the reverb is pretty much not on the amp. I think it's just this. It's just a right. But for a second, didn't you have have a weirdo patch going? Oh yeah, I did. This one, and with the tremolo. Oh, it's so beautiful. Very, very touch sensitive volume knob yeah so these these four pedals that i have here today with us um are kind of some essentials for studio and for create creating things um there's a couple other ones that are here in my bag i just didn't have a chance to take them out that are also essential but um pretty much a really warm delay i always need um the reverb big sky i use for reverb but it does so much more the strymon thing um a tremolo always, and I use the Cusack one. And then I got this really great fuzz pedal, the um, Walrus Audio. It's 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 pretty versatile, and it always sounds it's always consistent. Like it's great. I just know like you know it just gives me what I need. So I can kind of do lead stuff. It can kind of be fuzzy. It can kind of be not as fuzzy. So I tend to use those a lot. And I got that Vintage Memory Man, which is modded by Analog Man. And I've always have the Eventide H9 for studio stuff. Like always. Like I cannot go to a session without that. So that's saved me a lot. It's been some clutch. So like between those kinds of things, those are. Those are my weapons, and then a good amp and a good guitar, and you're cool. Do you have any other overdrive pedals, or just take fuzz? I do use overdrive pedals um, only when I have to. I'm anti-overdrive pedal. I always prefer to use an amp, but I do have a few good ones that I really, really like. I have the um, exotic effects I use a lot. The BB Plus is, like, screaming. I love that pedal. I use that all the time. It's on my SNL board. Um, it's really... Like if I have an amp that's I'm just going clean and I'm doing like a live gig and I don't have my my own rig, I need a good rock channel. So you know I use BB Plus for that like solos and rock channel. I have a Keely modded Tube Screamer, which is my like in between drive for that type of situation. But at SNL I don't I have a distortion like I use my the bump channel on my 65 Monterey. So I just use the Tube Screamer as a sweetener for solos, just a little extra gain, a little extra sauce as I would as I would call it. Nice. So yeah, I, I but other than that I'm, I don't really I don't fuck with overdrive pedals, but I have so many fuzz pedals. Like I can't have enough. Like they're all different and unique. I have a vintage uh, K fuzz fuzz filter fuzz thing and I was going to bring that today but I actually gave it to the dudes at Exotic and they're seeing if they can like make a new one for me that I could actually use um, because the, the vintage one, like you can't use live. It's terrible. If you plug it in, it's like sucks your tone, the volume decrease. Then <laughs> the plugs are in front of the pedal. So like when you You're put your foot down, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like the worst made thing ever, but it sounds really great. So I'm going to see about, you know, we maybe doing um, a, maybe a signature one or something. I don't know. Very cool. Yeah, but I, I always have like a couple of fuzz pedals, a couple of different delays. I use the Shryman delay a lot too. The, uh, what is it? The El Capistan. I just literally, I played uh, the Today Show last week. All I brought was 
my Fano like sphere guitar. I rented, like we just did SIR backline amp. I just got an amp with like some good crunch and used matchless DC 30, which are great. Um, and I literally just used one El Capistana and I used my snark tuner. I didn't even like bring a tuner. It was so great. Nice. It was like, the, and one, one song, one pedal, one guitar. I mean, I still brought two guitars. You always have to have two guitars, but as you know. Right. Yeah, we could talk of guitars and gear with you all day, but I, you got you to gotta tell, tell, tell us, what is it? What is this night job like that you have? Like, where does this start? When do you guys start working on Tuesdays or something? It's like a day and night job. Um, so actually, the funny thing is, I'm not there all week. Like, you probably would think that I'm there all the time. I'm not. I'm only there on Saturdays. And sometimes I'm on call Thursday and Friday and there are plenty of times when I come in for a couple hours on a Friday or a Thursday to work on a sketch. Um, like for, you know, I don't know the other last week, I think or the last show we had, I, I came I came in and did something for the monologue. So we had to rehearse it because it was very music driven. So we did that the you know on Friday or something. Who was doing the monologue? That's the opening you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't remember. Over. I don't even remember who was hosting. It's this common practice for us. Like we'll show up. We'll have to do something for a sketch that requires heavy music. And oh, it was um, it was Kate McKinnon doing Hillary Clinton. Um, and I was playing guitar. It was um, it was when I did the kind of like faux back to black thing at the end, and she played it, and she's like live from New York on Saturday night. That was me playing it. She wasn't cool. Yeah. So we do stuff like that that really have to be worked out. Otherwise, we just show up Saturday morning. The band rehearses at uh, 11. We hit at 11, so, you know, got to be ready. Ready to go. Do you rehearse on the set? and where? Yeah. Like, on our stage, my stuff's set up. I just show up and, like, I just use two, you know, I keep guitars there. So we bring guitars out, plug into my SNL board, which is also my live board when I do gigs. And um, the amp is behind the stage. So the heads are there, but... The cabinets, like behind the st- the stage, behind the door, underneath, kind of in the basement, in like this wood box. So, and you, are you on ears? Yeah, it's in all ears? in ears. That's cool that you actually still have your head right there. Well, no, but it's far away. Like I can't hear it. But you can, can you still adjust it? Oh pre- yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You meant yeah. like amp head. You got the amp head there. Yeah. It's like yes, my head <laughs> is by my ears. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all, it, yeah. It, but I don't change anything. The only thing, you know what? That's not true. Depending, I do switch guitars often, so depending on that, I'll like change the level of like volume just in case like an overdrive is. I need to make it a little cleaner or a telly, right. just a little bit extra. But otherwise, that's the only thing I I touch. I don't. What kind of amp anything. are you using? Sixty-five amps Monterey. Cool. I've been using it for a lot of seasons. I don't know how many. Maybe five now. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like the, it's perfect for that gig. What do you have on this board? Obviously, some of the stuff you just showed mm. me. Um, mm. Actually, yeah. So I got the the drives. I got the QSAC. Sorry, the Keeley modded tube screamer. I got the BB plus. I have just a regular tuner, Boss tuner, old school, right? <laughs> Not the Polytune. I do have those. I do want to switch out to that at some point for more real estate. I got the Sweet Sound Ultra Vibe, which. It's the best sounding ultra vibe ever ever heard, but it's enormous. So I'm looking to switch that out actually, um, just for size, you know. Right. And Probably. then I got. Do you want like an order? Do you want like? No, the, I'm just curious what you know. Uh, Unless there's anything crucial that you think we need to know. But. No, no. Earthquaker devices, disaster transport for delay for like a modulated delay. And then I have the Keeley. This is kind of cool. That I just put this on recently. The um, what is it called again? caverns maybe it's their pedal that has the delay and reverb in one and you have both 
you can set both is awesome. That's cool. So you I can get, to try that. yeah, you can get the like shimmery high stuff like the, this kind of stuff, that stuff. And you can get spring reverb, like you can get boring and you can get interesting. And then you have your delay. It's really cool. So I have that. And then I have a JHS mini bomb for a boost, which is awesome. It's like super small, super light and kicks ass. What else? Oh, the, the QSAC tremolo, but the Tapower also has the tap tempo, which is very crucial for all kinds of styles and different things where you got to dial it up. I don't have a MIDI rig, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I might be missing something. Are you buffering? Oh, I've, I have an analog man chorus pedal, which is great. And I kind of use it as more of a faux Leslie effect actually. Sweet. Yeah. Now are you, do you, are you buffered going oh, through all that? Sorry, by the way, I do switch out different fuzz pedals and stuff. So like I was using this Walrus Jupiter like a lot on the side. Right. Oh, I have the exotic wah pedal on the side of my board. It's always connected for SNL cause we use wah stuff there. So I use that. And, um, I, I've changed out like fuzz pedals just for fun. Like I've done like a lot of the analog man, like the peppermint fuzz. I used it for a bunch. Um, all, you know, I just all different kinds just for fun. Now, do you just go straight through all those pedals or do you mm-hmm. um, strengthen your signal or anything or cool. <laughs> what kind of power supply do you use? <laughs> I'm just using them. I was like, I don't know the line six. Sorry. No, not the line six, the Buddha lab pedal power. Cool. So, yeah. I had yeah. my buddy, Matt who at 30th street guitars, he's like the dude, he repairs all my guitars and, for since I was in college, which is a long time ago. <laughs> um, he put, put my board together and it's pretty sim- simple. It's not like anything crazy. It's not like we didn't do any buffering and true this right. and blah, blah, blah. It's just bare bones, but it's clean and it's not noisy and it sounds good. And he did a great job. That's cool. What's his last name, Matt? I don't know, oh, but well. he's the dude. He makes rust guitars. Like it's Matt. Like he owns 30th street guitars. Oh, okay, he's cool. like the dude, Matt, you no. know, Matt, yeah, I know. Yeah. Matt from 30th. Street. You know, it's in my yeah. phone, Matt, 30th street guitars. The Shout movie. out to Matt. You are the best. <laughs> What's the bandstand like there? You guys are kind of, it looks like you're kind of have a few different levels and horns and stuff. It's more like a bandstand than a, typical rock stage yeah there's three levels so lenny our band leader sax player is in front uh piano player or uh organ player who's our leon is our musical conductor and james genus the bass player they're all in the front i'm like right behind lenny on the first riser next to an alto sax alex foster and then next to me is drums and that's the only right you know on that side obviously and then behind the drums are the rest of the horns and behind me is percussion like right behind my head so when I'm sitting down and congas are going, it's like she's just playing congas in my brain. <laughs> a conga serenade. Yeah, it's like a private conga solo for me. Are you able to control? Is that, can the band members all control their own levels on the flake out with those little mixers? Uh, some of us have that. We have AVMs. I have an AVM. Not everybody does. So Lenny, Leon, the organ player and band conductor, like they all have uh, our guy Kaz. He does their mixes. And it changes a lot. Like they'll ask for different stuff all the time. I just have my stuff set. I don't change it. And then so when you show up on the Saturday morning for rehearsal, are there a bunch of charts on your music stand or what's the deal? Yeah, it's, I have a folder and it's super huge and super thick. And there's probably, I don't know, 30 to 40 charts in there. Left side, right side, left side's what we play for the day. Right side is just in case left side. We go through, we play all the charts for the most part, um, during our rehearsal. And it's all stuff that we've played before or 
worked on at the rehearsal of the beginning of the season prior to starting. So there's no unfamiliar things. And we do do new music. Um, like Lenny or other people will bring in songs. I've brought in songs. In fact, we've done a Pearl Lion song with the band Sweet. actually a few times. So they bring in stuff every once in a while and we have to sight read. And usually by the second like week that we rehearse it, it's usually ready to go. So it might take a you know, one rehearsal, tweak, rewrite some parts, do another rehearsal, check it out again. Sometimes we play it that night or sometimes it needs one more little round of fixes and adjustments. Cause you know, it's like you got to hear what the band's doing and how they're playing the parts, adjust all that. And also timing is a big deal. So Leon and Lenny have someone talking to them in their ears, doing all the time for commercials and stuff. So depending on what type of song, the time it, it takes to go through the song, like Lenny decides when it would be in the show because there are different lengths of, I think there are different lengths of commercial breaks. I'm not exactly sure. Don't quote me on that. But sometimes you have to, it makes more sense to cut something out of a song so it's easier to either extend time or cut. So it's like little things that you might not think about necessarily as a songwriter, but for we're doing it for a show. So we have to be cognizant of that. Yeah, it's crucial. It's a little... A little different twist. It makes it fun, but definitely challenging. Because well, it actually is live. I mean, it is live. Like a lot of those shows, like you know, tonight, tonight Show or something, the, the break might not necessarily be the same length that it is on the broadcast. Right. Yeah. But on your show. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's totally like go like when we do a band shot every once in a while. Like if I'm up on stage and their lights are on me and the camera goes and we're about to play a song. I have no idea what I'm about to play, but I know the song and it's like, I have a solo to do. So I just, and it's dark initially. Sometimes it's dark until they go. So you're kind of like looking around for where you need to put your hand on the guitar so that you don't play the wrong note when it starts. But sometimes the lights are on and they're like super bright because they're about to shoot the band. So the camera's in your face and you're like, Oh God, here we go. (laughs) But I kind of love those moments. So sometimes they pull you off the bandstand and you get to take the lead for a, for a fade in or a fade out. Exactly, yeah. Come in for a band shot. Now, have you been in any skits where you're actually on stage with the, the actors or anything? I would love to, man. I would... Oh, man, it'd be so awesome to be in a sketch. I would die. I would be... You're kind of a funny guy there, Jared. I could picture that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I... You know, that would be like a, a bizarre dream come true. I mean, I love comedy and I love being silly and funny. And obviously, we're like talking real shit here, so we're not really joking around. But... As much as well, we, were we were in earlier. that restaurant. Yeah, you were joking around. We are being ridiculous. <laughs> but now we're like, all right, let's yeah. talk about the real things here that people need to know and that people might want to know about. And But yeah, I mean, it's all bullshit, right? No, but <laughs> seriously, though, you I know you get to sit in with some of the bands, right? Now, what, what's been the most epic moment of sitting in with a musical guest for you well, on Saturday Night Live? Actually, we don't sit in with the bands. Um, sometimes on occasion... People will sit in with us. You know, like the only time we've done anything like that on a major level was when Mick Jagger and Jeff Beck did the season finale. So they played with our band, but Jeff used some of his guys, so Vinny Caluda and Tall on bass. Um, but I got a chance to play guitar. So, dude. Yeah. So I was sitting there playing with these dudes, Mick Jagger and Jeff Beck, and I'm just like, how was did Was Mick I? Jagger singing? Yeah. What, did he, what song did you do? I think it was. I don't remember. It was some old blues song. Cool. It was sick. And just to be on stage with those dudes and back them up and have Jeff Beck like come through my in-ears 
and Mick Jagger's voice. You're just like, how is this even happening? That's crazy, man. <laughs> so did they actually broadcast that moment or just the in and out? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, it was part of the episode. It was the season finale when Kristen Wiig left. Like her last show. Wow. So yeah, it was cr- so crazy. So did you interact with those two heroes and just right, just there, just uh, just playing on stage with them? Oh, I had <laughs> I had like a little moment with Mick Jagger. Yeah. Yeah. So we're playing Jeff Beck solo, and I'm just kind of like in my own world at this point, just kind of laughing in a way, just kind of being like, "This is so insane! Like, how did I get here?" And Mick Jagger, like, kind of just, like, shimmies, like, back to the other side of stage. And some for some reason, he just, like, turned to me, and I happened to be looking at him. Well, I mean, obviously, like, wouldn't you be watching Mick Jagger on stage if you were playing yeah. with him? And he just gives me this look, and I, like, I smile. And then he just kind of, like, gives me this look of, like, this is this is dope, kid, right? You, like, like kind of, like, pretty cool, huh? And I just kind of laughed and smiled and chuckled and he went back off into his own world and doing his thing. And it was so surreal to have a onstage moment with Mick Jagger. Like never in my wildest dreams did I think that would happen. Did so for sound check, did Jeff have like somebody, his tech come in and set up his rig and run through it or something? Or? I don't remember, but yeah. what I do remember is that he had like a Marshall head and I think it was on like one volume. That's crazy low for, I know. And he has, he gets so much like sustain. I don't know how he does it. Voodoo, man. That guy is voodoo. But he was he running an actual monitor monitor? He doesn't use any. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So sick. Totally sick. That dude is like, not, he's not someone I ever was into as a kid or growing up, but as an adult in like the last five years, I have kind of discovered him. He blows my mind. Like he is the best to me, like right now out there, like just lyrical and interesting and he's not using any effects. He's... And but still makes it somehow sound modern and cool. Do you know totally. what I mean? It's preaching to the choir, man. He's yeah, blows my mind. Yeah, does a crazy right hand mojo, the plucking hand, holding the bar and the volume knob, and plucking with different finger all at the same time to How get this he, crazy stuff happening. But he does that like he does like he holds the bar like four different types of ways. Yeah. It's really like, cool if you can see him in concert and they have the Jumbotron on his right hand. It's and like, you're like, that's how he does it. This is still bizarre, though. It still looks alien. Really? Like well, you know, he still looks like he's got some kind of crab on his guitar. Yeah. Grabbing the strings. Someone told me he has, like, he's has really, like, strong hands. I guess he used to be, like, a car mechanic or something. Apparently, <laughs> he's, like, crazy strong. So, like, I guess that makes sense why he has such control over that. I don't know. Yeah. I'd be so curious to play one of his guitars and see what that setup was like. Now, which song of yours did you play of a Pearl Lion yeah. on, with the band? We Are did you? We did a song called Robert Paulson, which is not out yet. It's on the Dark Black Mini album, which so it's more aggressive and has, like, fuzz. It's all fuzz guitars and has that fuzz wah or filter filter fuzz thing whatever that was saying earlier and my brother-in-law joe carnes who's the bass player for fits and the tantrums is playing bass on that track on the recording and lenny pickett has a sax solo on the recording so i've brought in a couple of songs that we've done like some funk riffs and stuff and different things that i've written and then lenny will help arrange horns we have about three or four of those i have one called nasty funks and we stop and everyone has to yell nasty funks before going to a I just thought it'd be so funny if the audience was sitting there and then everywhere you, the band just goes, Nasty Funks! Like out of nowhere, like old P Funk. Nice. It's pretty funny. I how always wonder. How does like, the riff go? Let's play something. What do you, um, you feel like jamming on anything for a second? 
We got the, all these tube amps. We got all these tubes going oh right now. Oh my god! Um, what uh, kind of blues did you play with Jeff? With that Jeff guy and I don't that Mick remember. guy? I'm like the I'm the worst at being put on the spot. I, I know. You've just realized this, haven't you? I'm just like uh, I have to be honest. Like I'm not. I don't really know songs. It's just like no, I just I'm like a, uh, I'm like a, what do you call it? I just like I like swim around the top of things you know what i mean i'm not like uh meat and potatoes like no songs sit down you know, well, I mean? you know what i have to ask you about that what you just said but i'm, I'm just itching for some notes at the moment it could be just a lick or something just, of know, what that we could just play on or something what do you, what's is there a main riff to nasty funk do yes you, and yes. do you remember it <laughs> yes i can play those riffs yeah play me some um Wait, I'll play you this other one. Yeah. Uh, it's called... Uh, so this is like an example of a funk song I brought in. Uh, I wrote this guitar riff. It's called Some People. This, Yeah, you can definitely jam this. That's like the main part, but then there's a breakdown. Are you ready for this? Yeah, man. Are you ready for this? Memory test.
that sustain there <laughs> yeah I'm loving these guitars too yeah so that's <laughs> yeah so that's um, some people Narcy Funks is like um... that was that James guy back there are these songs out yet how many of them are out I mean you're not really on Spotify with them yet or there's a song called Big Sky I was just gonna ask you about that tune because we've been obviously playing all kinds of notes but that song has so much space I love that you, you also it? play the space yeah totally there's cool. a, do you have a, you had a video for that at one time. It's not out yet. Oh, okay. So that I might have sent it to you. a secret link. It's a but secret link, bro. I did find it again I today. I secret stuff. <laughs> Thank you, man. But you know what? I found it today. We're on SoundCloud. Is that where I heard it? The song is on SoundCloud yeah. as well as On My Way Home. Uh, those are two of the songs from the Light mini yeah. album. And then the first song from the Dark mini album is the video that's out now called Alpha 4. Which is crazy. It's crazy. Let's listen to a little bit of Big Sky. I love that patch that you have on like that lead guitar band. It's so sparse too. You're like really playing the silences. Is that the big sky? Did this pedal inspire the name? Yes, of the exactly. So I got this pedal and I was spending a lot of time in LA uh, and I was like living in like the basement room of my sister's house with had a studio kind of situation. So I put up the big sky and I started playing this song. Actually, I played it as like a solo guitar piece. That's how I wrote it. This is not the exact patch. I have to... The funny thing is, like, I I have to figure it out, what that patch is. So I have to find it eventually. But I'll just use this for now. So I played it like two, you know, thumb bass and kind of like this. Hey, man, can you start that one more time? I think this yeah. might be fun to film a little bit. Oh, okay. no. Don't worry uh, about it. This won't hurt a bit. Terribly. Tell me when. When? Do we need more light? Eh, shit. Okay, hold on a second. James, how do we get no. light? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you sexy man! Can you turn it up as high as you can? We're gonna do, we do video That's now. That's great. Oh. You the man. You are the best. I'm, full disclosure, I'm gonna have to sneak out of here soon because I have to meet somebody for dinner. So, <laughs> you guys have fun. If I don't... <laughs> 
If I just mysteriously vanish, just, you know, help yourself to whatever. Don't leave without how, saying goodbye. How do you... Well, that's what I'm, I'm going to try and do is because I'll have to leave soon. Lock so up. I don't want to break the flow as I am right now. Yes. <laughs> you look so fresh and so clean. Yeah, just packed for tour. Dude, that's how what I'm doing tonight gone? when I get home. Boom. What time are you at... Uh, Florida. What time are you at LAX tomorrow? And are you not, are you united? Um, no, uh. we are. Um, yeah, we're flying out of United. Oh, check you out. Never mind then. Sorry. He's a good little. I, I smell a private jet here, folks. I was gonna say it. No. <laughs> Champagne problem. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Is that how you guys normally travel? Just like. No, not shit. all the time. Only when we're traveling. Awesome. Only when you're traveling with Adam. <laughs> Lead singer jet, right on. Exactly. Fucking exactly. A, dude. Exactly. But, uh, hey, can I just say, wow, guys, these Valentine guitars, let's talk more about that. Wow. <laughs> they look great on you. They sound great as I'm, in, you know, They're packing for tour. I'm just thinking like, wow. Dude, these are killer. Now, I'm not trying to like get all I like love uh, these guitars. schmoozy and shit, but didn't you like get like one of those best in show awards from Nam? Well, you know, I'm glad you, br- you brought that up because <laughs> we, in fact, did win a best in show award at Nam. Huge honor. No, we were, we were stoked. You know, I didn't even know that that existed when they told me that we won, <laughs> but, so but it's cool. It's cool. Uh, yeah. cause the, you know, we were, this just was an idea that we had. And so to go through all of the levels of execution and then actually unveiling it, we were, we were stoked that people actually liked it. Very cool, man. I mean, it's so cool that music man's kind of doing this early ball. And like we love they did them. the same we, Vincent we guitar, right? These guitars yeah, that, too. that guitar is sick too. The same Vincent is awesome. Are they t- branching out into no a James more, Valentine, uh, like, though pop direction or for lack of a better word i mean i i guess so i mean yeah. marketability like they already have so many uh like you know guitars that are like the steve morris and albert lee and the petrucci well let's just say it i'm the i'm worst <laughs> guitar player on their roster which i'm very proud of um you know if you think about steve morris john petrucci and God bless Andy, all those Andy guys. clark i mean these guys you know you're uh, my favorite on the well, thank you very much. But uh, no, they're they're doing really cool huh. stuff because it's a great company, it's a family-run company, and their the quality is great. I mean, these are just these are not my special guitars; these are standard yeah. production models. You know, that's what they all say. Like Steve Lukather and his guitar, he's like, "Man, I play one off the rack." Exactly. exactly. No, he just could walk into any guitar center and grab that, and that's kind of the cool thing. Maybe I yeah. I, I won't travel with guitars anymore. I'll just show up at guitar center, you know, with their <laughs> return policy. I'll just go buy one and then return it after gigs. You're very self-effacing too, by the way, but you're probably also the most successful record sales-wise of all of their artists, which is pretty crazy. Pa, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. We'll have to ask your accountant. Yeah, Yeah, we'll check it out. We'll check it out. Anyway, I want to say goodbye. I'm very happy that this is happening here in my home. Guys, it sounds great. I wish, can, if you guys could just come back and provide the soundtrack for my, that'd be great. Well, namaste. Namaste. <laughs> namaste. Namaste. Namaste in bed, y'all. Namaste oh in bed. God. Everybody, James Valentine. James Valentine. <laughs> Notice how suddenly he found time. He was late, but all of a sudden, when it came to time to talk about. Was it? Is that right? Is that it?
What are the damn changes? All I know is this one. James is hearing everything we're doing wrong with his songs. <laughs> That's like all I remember from the gig I did with them. <laughs> That's funny. You did the whole gig and, dude, okay. That's it. You're fired. I know. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. This is great. This is great stuff, guys. <laughs> hey, this, about no, this love, the song. No, this love. Uh, recently at Nam, I got to hang out with uh, Steve Morse and John Petrucci, the other Ernie Ball artists, and um, and Steve Morse. Uh, it was just crazy to be talking to him. You know, legend. I was just so stoked. But he's like, yeah. So I had to, I had to play, uh, I had to play one of your songs for some gig that he was playing. They they ended up playing this love. He's like, that, that was pretty cool. And I said, yeah, you know, it's, I think it's cool for a pop song. You know, it starts on a diminished chord. He's like, actually, it's, a, it's more of a dominant uh, 13 flat nine. I was like, uh, okay. Thinking like, all right, wait, I'm going to have to think about that. And then I got home and I realized like, yeah, it is a dominant 13 flat nine because it's, it's really you would play like the half hole diminished over it not the whole half i'm feeling because of where it falls he was right and you know i've been playing the song for 14 years and saying like oh yeah that's that's just a straight that's a b diminished nope that's (laughs) some serious nerd guitar (laughs) podcast shit you're welcome i just love that moment that you (laughs) guys were there that is a nugget That is a very useful nugget for your listeners. And he's a, he's he was on the last the podcast, mic. by the way. I don't know if you check it out. It just just came it just came out a couple days ago. Oh man, thanks. Thank you, Mister uh, Top Five and the number the third third guest we ever had on the show, James. I listened to your podcast. I want to do it over someday. Oh, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Duo cast. I think you just did, man. Have a great night. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, go away. Go away now. <laughs> can you leave your house so we can finish this? Bye. <laughs> God, that guy is such a dick, man. What a douche nozzle. <laughs> um, douche nozzle. I got to give credit to Diz Dismore for that term. Douche nozzle. Where is it, did, have you been using that term or is that a... Just today now. Yeah. I might use it from now on. Yeah. I just, you know, just want to throw that out there since uh, oh, yeah. he, we're, me and him are going to start a band called Nozzle. Oh, God. So. Okay. So we were talking Big Sky. So that is, now that's how long, folks, it uh, took us to get the lights turned on in this room. Pretty much. That James. So, okay. <laughs> that's great. Okay. So I got this pedal. I had I got a preset. I turned some knobs, and I got this dope sound. I mean, you get a dope sound on everything on this thing. So, I started writing this riff, and I was playing it with my thumb and fingers. Um, so it was actually started off as a solo guitar piece. And that's not it. Uh, okay, so I think it was like. A
um, like, goes to this. I think it's, uh, section and then there's the uh, outro uh, which is it goes back and so anyway the point is so I wanted to make a whole track out of it because I don't want to just be guitar dude so I took the thumb and the bass part out I built the track Daft Punk style like this whole kind of pulsing Daft Punk Tron you know and how'd you do that like logic and software synths or what um logic pro tools um all kinds of synths and like I had a buddy of mine then play the pulsating synth part after I recorded like the intro and then I did a bunch of other synths and I had some, I had a friend play some piano on Rhodes. It's like all just kind of, Sweet. I just throw stuff around, you know, I'm like, Hey, this could be cool. Can you throw some piano on Rhodes on this? Cool. And I built the, you know, drums and the guitars myself and, and then the basic track basically. Um, so that's kind of how like that starts and how that evolves to what I try to make. Not so guitar like, but still coming from a guitar. So then in the track, on the recording, you just hear this, you know. Uh, so it has a lot more space and breathes. And then there's doubles that just play the melody and not the bass. You know? So that really comes through. But, Sounds so stereophonic that way, huh? Yeah. So I just kind of build it a little more like a synth track guy versus sitting in a room playing guitar. But did you mic an amp for that part or on the on the recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I don't remember exactly what we used, mm -hmm. but not stereo, just mono. But I, I doubled wide. Hey, so check it out now. Maybe we will check out your other tune that I just saw the video for, which is supremely cool, called Alpha Four. Let's take a listen to that. That's not totally right because I don't have the whammy pedal. That's the last part of the equation. This is kind of roughly what I use for the sound. It's the Earth uh, Quaker Devices Bit Commander. 
buying that pedal tonight. <laughs> I swear to God. And then there's the um, the crazy like uh, solo section. <laughs> has all these weird like all these weird things which was um, me using a fuzz factory and my friend was screwing with the knobs as I played and then I would just cut and paste everything and just do crazy stuff Very and then cool. um, oh and then there's this part <laughs> To that um, I love it but that's basically it and there's that other section of the um, the second half of this goes, uh, damn it I have no I haven't I've like haven't actually tried to play I thought this you said yet. you know your own songs <laughs> this, this one's a little more complicated no but you know what first of all like well it's because I write them and I make the tracks and I spend so much time doing them then I don't ever right. play them and I haven't played any live gigs so I haven't like relearned it it's been so long since I'm, I wrote it I'm just giving you a hard time I'm totally with you it's so cool because you know I think I just saw that video today I, I just don't know any songs <laughs> I, <know>. ah! <laughs> I just saw that video today and I think I just watched it on my phone so I wasn't getting the full like speaker full spectrum oh, action dude. but like it's so cool because I thought it was kind of like a choppy sound kind of like Green Day's Boulevard of Broken oh, Dreams or you're actually just playing each note and it has a little bit of a soft attack which is really cool but I'm also I'm playing with my left hand I'm I'm lifting my, yeah each note I'm, my hands are off the fretboard yeah doing like a little staccato action yeah thing. so it's not this it's so it has a bounce I love that bounce, bounce dude now the other thing about that video is you have like it's not just some dude playing guitar in a video. I mean, you have a theme. It's like this animated robot named Alpha Four. Is what's going on with him? He's like going out in the town trying to get lucky or something. Dude, he's you know going around L.A. on a day in the life of Alpha Four, being a tune in good old Hollywood, you know, Los Angeles, California, and going to do his laundry. And you know, he's he's a human. It's he lives in a world with tunes and humans. And he ends up getting bullied and picked on for being different. And he's kind of getting frustrated. You don't see it visibly, but it's building up. And then he goes to a bar, you know, a cool hipster bar in L.A. And some hipster dude pours beer on him. And he's like, well, you know, what the F, man? Like, I'm just trying to chill. Like, and he's all embarrassed. He saw this bartender he thought was cute. He's trying to, like, get with her. And um, you see him go to the convenience store before he goes out. He buys condoms, tune condoms and red vines, by the way. <laughs> a little ode to my favorite red vine candy in California, which you don't have in the East Coast. So he does all that stuff. He gets, you know, beer spilled on him. I help him up because I'm like, dude, like, you know, this is just a tune trying to hang. Like, be cool, you know? So I help him out. End up, like, he goes, ends up walking down Hollywood Boulevard. A tune hands him a flyer. He finds this crazy tune bar that's like, you know, are you out of place? Like, you feel alone? Like, come here. Come to the blah, blah, blah. And so he goes to this tune bar. 
and he's finally like, all right, I'm with my people, right? Like all the tunes, like I'm like, these people are cool. Like they won't treat me differently. And he realizes that these people suck just like everybody else, you know, like they're also not cool. And everyone's, he finds this other chick, this tune chick, and she's like, starts grinding on some other tune dude after she gives him like some ecstasy or MDMA pill or something. And so he's all dejected and he's walking home and I happened to see him. I was on the street corner, just like on my phone, like making plans. And I was like, oh dude, like what's up? You know, Alpha 4, like I saw you at the last bar. I helped you up. I invite him to this really cool bar that everyone gets along. Everyone's cool, you know, tunes, humans alike. So I bring him to this club, this bar where everyone gets along and there's no bullshit, no, no bullies, no racist stuff. No, it's just like everyone's equal. Everyone's cool. No segregation, you know? So we go and we're having a good time. He happens to see the same bartender. They lock eyes. That's going good. I invite him up on stage. We happen to be playing Alpha 4. He jams out and he's happy and he completes his objective for the day, which is to have a great day. Objective completed. Yeah. So that's, that's so cool. Yeah, that's the idea. It's like an actual music video with a beginning, middle, end plot. And now how did you get that thing put together? How does a guitar player get a music video done in 2016? Right. It's a great question. Um, well, the Pearl Line thing is my artist project, and I don't really look at it as a guitar project. I look at it as I'm a producer. I'm making this music. This is what I want to show to the world, and I would love to play this live. I would love to do festivals. I'd love to like make a real go of it, you know? So you got to have music videos. This is instrumental, and the best way that I think people can dive into this is through visuals. And, you know, we live in a world of instant gratification. People, like, just to listen to an instrumental track, people might not be so open to that anymore, unfortunately. So I thought visuals would be cool. So fast forward. I had the working title Alpha 4. It had no meaning. Eventually, I listened to the finished song, and I was like, I kind of just, I'm getting this, like, Nintendo vibe, dude, like, running around, like, you know, and I had this idea of this day in the life in a, in a you know, a, sorry, in a human world as a tune, and, like, what that would be like. So I came up with this concept, and I realized that the tune was obviously going to be called Alpha 4, like, serendipitous, like, the, oh, that's his name, you know? I guess I knew all along, but I had no idea that I knew. Anyway, I had the idea. I talked to my sister who was working for Fox 8 HD. I pitched to her. She loved the idea. Obviously, you know, she's, she knew the song. She was a fan. Um, and she's like, all right, let me pitch it to the people at Fox. They loved it. They wanted to work on the video. So I'd already shot two videos with director Dan Wheating or Wheating, Wheating. I never asked him at the pronunciation. Anyway, asked him to shoot the live stuff. So we shot it and we shot without our main character in the frame. It was like very bizarre. Shot it over three, two days in Minnesota for interiors. All the exteriors were done in Hollywood and LA. And then we sent our copy. Off it went to Fox. We did all... I sent like um, references for the all the different characters. Like Tommy Octo, the drummer. I sent pictures of Tommy Lee and Neil Peart with like massive drum kits and stuff. Stuff like that. Um, they sent back the first sketch of Alpha 4 and I instantly loved it. I was like, that's perfect. So it was off to the races. Then they do an animatic, which is all the animation, but kind of like a block thing. So it's not animated yet. Made notes a couple times back and forth. Once that was finally finished, we did the animation, made a couple notes back and forth, and that was it. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, there's one thing that, I mean, I just don't understand. Did Fox fund this? And if so, what did they, they did get out not. of it? They did so not fund are, it. Is this a self-finance thing? This is all self-finance. This whole project is all on me. Yeah, you I say mean, that they loved it or they loved the concept. What does that mean? They wanted to work on it. They, they, were, they want original content for Fox that's different and unique. 
I wanted a video with animation. Ah, I see. So what can they... Symbiotic relationship, they say. Very nice. What might they use this sort of content for? Just their YouTube channel. So like we debuted it on their YouTube channel. It lives on their YouTube channel, not mine. Oh, sweet. What's the name of the channel? Fox... Just like Fox uh, Animation Domination High Def. Badass. Of course, I will uh, put this all on our... Yeah, put on it our on little y'all. No Guitar is Safe Facebook page and yeah. other, other places. You're active yeah. on Twitter too. It's a good place to see what you're up to. You have I your feel own. like Twitter's a ghost town though. But you have your own uh, Facebook artist page as well. I do. I have a Jared Scharf and a Pearl Lion page. I'm still not really sure like what to do with all these things. Right. I definitely post a lot of music stuff on the Facebook, uh, the music page, not the personal page. And I actually do a lot of Instagramming and Snapchatting. That's yeah. kind of my favorite this, I'm officially old as of this moment because I really don't understand Snapchat. I thought it was just for individual to individual. I understand Vines and all that, and I'm on Instagram and all that stuff. But Snapchat, how does that work with the masses? Um, it's the same. It's just like a video format that goes away in 24 hours versus like Instagram. You put up a still photo, and it stays for how long you want it to stay. That's the only right. difference. And you can do stuff person to person, but you can, I just, I don't, I just do like, Hey, playing James Valentine's guitar today with James, blah, blah, blah. Why do you want to, why would it, why not just Instagram it or Facebook it where it'll stick around? What's the video. Idea? It's a, it's a video. It's a 10 second video. 15 seconds on Instagram. Yeah. But people don't watch videos on Instagram. So I post a lot of cool videos that I think are cool at least. And right, they don't and get a lot of views. You get more traction off Snapchat. You get more traction off of like a ramen bowl or, or like, um, like some stupid like meme, something <laughs> like yeah, people. It's or like guitar pedals. <laughs> At least for me. I mean, so just to backtrack now, I'm curious a little bit about your biography, and then I'll let you go to your next session or nutritionalist meeting, whatever oh you got God. cooking here. And that's you're on the West Coast. So LA. <laughs> so trying, LA. Trying to front like you're a New Yorker, but going you to ask your... me any que- You can ask me as many questions as you want, man. I I'm an open that. book. I will answer everything. Now. How did you end up, wor- I mean, it's a long, it's, I know your whole life led up to where you are now and will continue to lead to other gigs, but you've been doing Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live for nine seasons. How did you end up in that band? And then you can start at the beginning if you want. When did you get your first guitar? Oh my God. So I was a drummer first. You want the super quick blast? Sure. <clears throat> super quick blast bio. Drummer first, fourth grade. Um, s- somehow got kind of persuaded into taking private guitar lessons fifth grade or sixth grade was terrible it was a black belt when i was 10 years old really what what? (laughs) maybe nine i don't remember but i still have the black belt what was your main martial art taekwondo so that was that was happening i was playing music eighth grade rolled around i was in a i was playing rock music i went to summer camp um and played in rock bands at a performing arts camp called french woods where i met maroon five adam levine jesse carmichael which is how i know the man's house right. that we're sitting in long before they ever had their band. Exactly. Right before James. So that's how I know everybody. And so I played rock bands, guitar and drums and in high school. I played marching band, concert band, jazz band, all drums, but I played guitar in rock bands outside. And I knew like I had this epiphany moment during an Almond brothers concert. My, my freshman year of high school that like, I knew this is what I wanted to do with my life. Um, we can go into that story or not. Well, what happened? You had a big moment. Well, it's, it's actually a short story. Um, I was at Beacon Theater watching, I think it was during a Warren Haynes solo, who was a big influence, you know, for me at the time. And I just had this moment of like, 
this clarity or this kind of like aha moment of this is what I want to do with my life. Like there's, here's this guy, he's up on stage, he's playing music for a living, but most importantly, it was a solo, it was a jam. So he was creating. And I knew that I wanted to be in some form of thing that was always creating and constantly evolving and and exploring because that's always what I loved to do. And to do that in a musical capacity and be successful. Um, so I knew right then and there that was what I wanted to do, and I kept kept at it. And I uh, went to I ended up going to NYU for jazz performance, and I s- switched to music ed just because I didn't want to actually ever really ha- learn how to play jazz. I don't want to spend five hours a day learning like arpeggios. I just want to rock out, you know. So I was in a couple bands. I had my own band at the time. It was like a jam band turned like radioheady British pop kind of thing. And then I was in this other pop rock band that I just did just to try out a different thing that I've never done. And that band ended up getting signed after I graduated. Um, and that was on RCA Records. That, was, that band was called Carbondale. So I did that. We made a half million dollar record. It was crazy, a whole thing. Ended up getting dropped <clears throat> with the whole like Clive Davis merger with RCA and you know and J Records. And that was a whole fiasco. Of what a, kind of living expenses does a guy get out of a half million dollar record deal. Well, back then I just was able to pay my rent. That was it. So they could put you on like a little monthly salary for a while or? Yeah, we had it like, I had a monthly salary for like eight months or a year or something. It wasn't much. And then that we moved on to, anyway, I did that for a couple of years, but it wasn't right for me. It wasn't the right fit. I ended up leaving. I did Jared Sharp and the Royals, which is like me writing kind of Tom Petty-ish, Foo Fighter-ish songs with jams, like live not on the recordings, so, but still guitar solos. And then that led to producing and writing pop music, which I did for many, many years. And I eventually got recommended for the SNL gig. And then... Who recommended you? My sister and Dr. Luke. Yeah, so they were, my sister was also at SNL. She was working on the TV Funhouse stuff. So through her, I met Dr. Luke. And then through him, I got a recommendation. So then it was a long process. I had to send videos of me playing on YouTube and then that the next step was meeting Lenny Pickett. Then we had our first little solo audition together. And then I got a call back, you know, and that was with just four people, those four guitar players left in the pot. And that was with the whole band playing a whole like six song set. And then I got the job. Yeah. And nine seasons later and that. Now you're, I think most guitar players out there would think that the kind of player that would get that gig would be someone who knew every song and every style, everything <laughs> under the sun. What do you, like, it's fascinating to me that you're like, man, I don't know a bunch of songs. I yeah. just play, like, what do you think that Lenny saw in you out of those other guitar players? And I'm sure they were all fantastic players. Why do you think you were a good fit for the band for this great gig? Well, while I don't know a lot of songs... I have studied a lot of styles. So growing up, I definitely learned blues, like Clapton, Steve Ray Vaughan, even Hendrix style blues, but then even the earlier stuff, you know, like the, all the Kings, <laughs> the Three Kings and the Albert Collins, all that stuff. Like I studied that. So I knew that shit. Um, and I knew like cream solos, like, you know, I knew that stuff. I studied funk here and there a little bit. You know, I, I went to school for jazz. I, knew, I grew up playing rock. And you, you know, can so read to a certain degree. To a very small extent, yeah. So I knew a lot of stuff. So for me, I mean, I think it was just I was able to do a lot of the material. You know, I could play a lot of the material and the styles in relatively the style that it needed to be. Somewhat authentic, uh, 
fake authentic enough, if you will. And I also just really like, I, I go for it, man. You know, like I know Lenny once told me one of the reasons he really like thought we'd be, I'd be a great fit was cause he just like, when you play a solo, like you just like go, it's like fire. You just like go for it. And he's I like, mean, we wanted that, that energy. I love you know? that. I feel that man. You got the stinging vibrato. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, <laughs> I want like, I want to play one note and just like floor you. I don't want to play a million. You know, that's why the unnecessary yeah. shredding is kind of hilarious. Cause like I play more on that, but even that it's not like a ton. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's just not, you know, I want to play big sky. I want to play like a few stinging lead notes. <clears throat> and that's just kind of like, I like space, man. I really like not playing. I think it's not cause I'm lazy, but I am maybe just cause I'm lazy. I just like not playing. Does that make sense? Well, a note sounds much huger if there's space around it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like my philosophy, but and I just go for it. I mean, it's just when I'm playing music, it's like my favorite thing to do. So like, I'm just happy and I feel like I can, I can really tap in to emotions through music very easily for me. I think that helps with the like spitting it back out. I think that I, I don't know, not yeah. to sound like weird and new agey and spiritual, mm-hmm. but you know, like I feel like it's easy for me to channel through music versus anything else that I do in my life. I mean, yeah, that's fun. But so I think those things, you know, people feel that I think, you know, and I don't know, I, I have a, my work ethic is really good. Um, I'm always like the hilarious. I was late today cause of this stupid appointment, but I'm always early. Like I'm never late. Um, I'm always prepared. Like I will work on songs before like we come in. Like I will make sure I have all the gear that's right for a gig. I'll I'm always the first person to show up to any session. Usually the last to leave. I mean, I am just, I just do whatever I can to make sure that there's no possibility for failure. Now that can happen, but I try to eliminate all of those other have you ever variables. Had any, any, you know, gig nightmares happen on, on the show or anything? Any funny moments? I've had like my guitar totally fall down, like off of my strap. You know, oh, yeah. I've had an amp go down in the middle of a show. We have like plug in a, an old like Line Six pod. I've had I've had to play with what do you call it when um, latency from right. a digital board. I've like I spent a whole season just like playing with latency. It was it was minimal, but I felt it. <clears throat> and we tried to figure it out so many times, but there's so many wires and there's so many things, and it's such a difficult place to play. But it's also the most enjoyable. It's like so fun, but it's so hard. Dude, you're like the prototypical modern guitarist in my opinion, which is really <laughs> cool. Now me. When I was a teenager in the 80s, late 80s, I think G.E. Smith was the guy on Saturday Night Live. That's who I grew up watching, yeah. Yeah, and he's very noticeable. Everyone, He got a lot of camera time. You ever get to talk shop or nerd out with him, meet him? Um, I met him once. He did the SNL 40th, and he got up on stage with the band. So that was a kind of a, a nice little moment for me because I grew up watching this guy, and I was like, always oh, something I just thought was so cool, like this dude playing on this awesome show and... Here I was, yeah. and he was there. He had and a different guitar, playing. and every every time he had to do like a different. <laughs> Not this time, but it was really cool. It was one of those moments where I felt full circle. You know, it was really nice. And Did you talk shop with him? Not so much. Right. You know, we didn't have time, and everyone's doing things. It was a very crazy day, and I would have liked to have talked to him some more. You know, if I ever get right. to see him again, I'd definitely be like, "Hey, dude, guess I don't know if you remember me, but uh, do you remember this?" And he'll probably be like, "Oh yeah, yeah I vaguely remember you." <laughs> I mean, you know, but he's G. Smith and he's a legend. How much of your NYU music education do you think you actually use professionally? That's a really great question. Um, I think initially I was very anti-education, like school for music. 
And the more and more I, I do stuff, the more and more I realize like how certain things from that shaped what I do. Most notably, my guitar teacher from school who's no longer, like he's, he's passed away many, many years ago, unfortunately. He gave me different shapes for the major scale that I never had used before and he made me like relearn the major scale in a way to how it laid in the fretboard that it's not how I did things. And you know, you playing for like many, many years before you go to college and it's hard to switch, but he made me. What was his name? Pat Sorello. He was the greatest. And um, like because of that, like that's how I play everything. So like the way I do that, like I'm using his teachings like every day, everything I play. Like it's all my voicings, like all the things, like I learned that from, you know, we did a lot of that work. And granted, I didn't need to be at NYU for that. I could have just taken private lessons. But that coupled with the, the Bruce Arnold guitar ensembles were really great. Bruce, I know Bruce. Yeah, those were really good for sight reading. And he, he had some really great, um, he had some really great solfege exercises for ear training that really sharpened my skills. He was really tough. You know, he was a really tough guy and he was really tough on me. And so to be honest, I didn't like him. You know, not because of him. I just think I didn't like what I was going through with him. Kind of like Whiplash the movie. Kind of. He was, yeah, he was kind of like that, but a little more quiet in his ways. And But now when I think back on it, I'm really happy that I had that semester with him because like, I know all my arpeggios really well because of him. I know, like, My ears are... He taught me this amazing exercise. Like They were sharp as... I would hear like a pin drop and I could hear from like a car to the pin like what interval that was. Like I was on it. You know, and then Pat. So like those are my dudes, you know, and... That was really, I guess it was really those guys that made that college What good. about like... Um, but those were private lessons. So uh, maybe you don't need school. Well, what about, did you not gain anything from like harmony and arranging and counterpoint or any of that stuff that you studied? No, not really? I was terrible at that shit and I hated it. <laughs> Dude, I just wanted to rock out. I'm more like a rock... It, like, honestly, in my heart, I was like, I'm a rock and roll guitar player. Like, I want to play, like, minor pentatonic licks with, like, maybe some Dorian extra notes and, like, some rock chords and some pretty chords. Like, I'm good. Like, I don't need fancy shit. I don't need crazy shit. I like pedals because I like production and I like pushing the guitar forward, but it's, like, pretty simple. You know? Like, I don't yeah. want to play, like, 18 chords. Like, I just don't do it. I'm just not interested. I want to play four. I want to play two. I'll play one. I don't care. <laughs> I want to play gotcha. a few notes, a few chords, great, and but write really great songs and with really cool sounds. So, wh- why did you choose the name Pearl Lion as your uh, as your moniker for your solo act? It's a great question. Really? Um, I figured you get that asked all the time. Actually, no. I think okay. this is like the third time I've been asked. That's it. People don't really ask. They're like, "That's cool, whatever." No one cares. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's a name. Most guitar players are, you know, man, I need to get my, my name out there as, an, as a player. And, yeah. And so, yeah, why, why did you check, go with Pearl Lion? Well, to be honest, I was never comfortable with my name, and I'm still not. But I've been in the industry for so long that I can't change it now. I was going to make a Subway joke, but no, okay, keep, keep going. Uh, yeah, so I was never really com- comfortable with my name like as a stage name, and I didn't really... This music is so personal to me, so it is me. It's totally Jared Scharf. It's, you know, but I just didn't want it to be looked at as a solo guitar project. I just, like, it warrants, like, its own space. So I came up with the name because I... This is, like, my, you know, my artist passion, right? So I wanted things that really meant a lot to me, and... Pearl was for my grandmother, who's, you know, who's not here anymore, who was the most positive, like, person and spirit that I've ever met. And Lion is a longer story, 
but I did my first sort of energy type healing thing once, like many, many years ago in New York. And I had these bizarre visions, like, a, and one of the visions was like this, like laying lion. Long story short, she was saying that where it was and what it was doing, it was like a protector of my heart. And I felt at the time I was slipping away from pursuing some of the things that I loved. So it just kind of reminds me like to stay focused on like what I truly believe in. And, you know, I don't know if people care about instrumental music. I don't know if people care about guitar anymore to be honest in like the pop indie world i don't know but i'm just doing something i've always dreamed of doing and following my heart and i i have the belief that in the end like that will prevail because if i don't believe that then there's no reason i like for me to be doing this at all like we wouldn't be here if i didn't believe that you know what i mean like there'd be no reason to play guitar there'd be no reason to do music like my at my core belief is like if you do what you love and if you do something that's honest and true to yourself although it may take time it's gonna find like a home it has to like i have to believe that so that's what keeps me going well you seem like a really good people person too in terms of i like to be social yeah (laughs) that's sense of humor definitely don't take yourself too seriously well that's one of the things i like about um well sorry that i dislike about studio work because it's like 12 hour days and it's like i'm in the studio I like talking to people. I like meeting. I like like hanging out. I like doing things and it gets crazy. You know, it's like spend 12 hours like sucked into the vortex and it's great. And I love that. But sometimes I wish there was a way to like make the studio like more fun, but I can't multitask. So if there's like four people there, like I can't get anything done (laughs) unless I'm playing guitar. Like if someone hires me to do guitar and there's like people making jokes and all stuff, like I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll just keep rocking. I could laugh, do a take. No one gives a shit. It's fine. It's going to be awesome. But like if I'm doing like Pearl line and I'm really like trying to write or I'm trying to like work on this track, like I am focused as a motherfucker. I'm trying to guess like you, you seem like you come from an educated family. I don't like the term educated, but like you're, I'm guessing your parents are like professionals. What do they do? That's hilarious. Um, My mom was a housewife and fabulous at that. And my dad was a vice president of a hat company. A hat company? I need to talk to this guy. But he was was a certified accountant. That's what he went to school for. Uh So he helps me with my taxes. There you go. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Maybe it's just the glasses. (laughs) Look, man, anyone can play guitar and learn guitar on the internet or at home with music. You don't need anyone to teach you. All you need is a guitar and your ears. And literally, like that can be your master class, that could be your NYU, that could be your professional lessons from whoever. I mean, it's all out there. The knowledge is there, the music is yeah. there. Well, that, that doesn't teach you how to groove and lock and play and survive a gig, though. I mean, yeah, you but know. if you're playing to stuff and you have to lock into that, it does. I think it gets you halfway there. Yeah, but it can get you, but that can be your education. Then you still have to go out and play. Got to go out and pay your dues. But like NYU didn't teach yeah. me how to lock in my groove in. I was already right. like playing, song, like I was already playing in bands for like seven years or something by that point. It's like right. old news, you know? So YouTube's a lot cheaper than NYU, I guess. <laughs> yeah, dude, there's all these lessons online. You can like, there's this amazing John Schofield YouTube, uh, video somewhere from like the 80s where he like has this whole like masterclass. It's amazing. You can learn so much just from watching that. It's like, that's like all the guitar magazines growing up. I used to learn all those like, you know, they have like the licks. Right. I recently made a guitar student of mine learn all these Brent Mason licks that I found online. Like, you know, um, like... All that kind of shit. Like, I love it. Got I don't any know more what, of this? I don't remember what the <laughs> lick is, but I make them learn some of these because it's like you need to start learning other styles. You got to learn how to do like claw. You know, you got to learn how to do bend and release. It's like 
you can't just learn one thing because you only become one-sided. So I don't know, but I, you can learn. Point is, you can learn all the stuff out there. That and a guitar teacher, and you're good to go. Don't go to school, kids. <laughs> I love it. Any other sage advice you'd like to? <laughs> uh, you got some great chords, man. I love them. Dude, F major over E. I love it, man. Yeah. Or my favorite N chord, the two over a one. Like, uh, so like, okay, we're, we're doing whatever. So we're like, you know. And we end. <laughs> I love it. Okay, that I, that I did learn in jazz school. That I learned in jazz school. <laughs> <laughs> so you got one thing out of those four years. Yeah, Great. But, you, but you just hear that on the bandstand. Like people do that stuff all the time. Like you just pick it up, you know? Yeah. You don't need, of you don't need to spend $50,000 to learn yeah. that. That That's a fun end chord. Or this one, another good one. I love it. And you do the like, the fourths. I, I. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Let me take all this crap off. Stop. Like. Yeah, it's like a playing that E minor pentatonic scale down a An half e step flat. in E flat over E major. Do it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for. Uh, taking time out to sit down and nerd out with us yeah um we gotta play some blues with you before we go blues dude you got the sting and you've been talking about blues like two hours now i tried to leave that behind when i was a child Uh, you really you're gonna make me do this what kind of blues you're really gonna make me do this yeah of course well you got but you know what when I say blues, it, I don't necessarily mean 12-bar shuffle. I mean, oh. just the bends and the tone, this, this beautiful Mercury car amp. It's uh, the Skylark. The car Skylark amp. Beautiful car amp right here. See, like, I like doing the blues thing stuff. I also like the beautiful, like, mellow stuff. You know, as we were doing yeah. some of the, like... Oh, this is not the right patch. Something went wrong. This kind of stuff.
That's yet another Jared Scharf jam right there, Pearl Lion jam that he started. Man, I can't fit in everything that we did. You know, Jared joked the other day, he texted me, dude, when are we going to put up the all-day podcast? Kind of was all day. Kept going. Definitely all afternoon. Special thanks to James Valentine. Thank you so much for letting us use your killer pad with all those killer guitars, the two new signature models that you had. I definitely think we wore down the frets a little bit on those in the space of two hours and those cool tube amps thank you so much james yes i know maroon 5 doesn't just show up at united i figured you guys like you know skipped security like my friend in blondie does tommy kessler the guitar player debbie harry they just have some way where they don't have to go through the masses because they would just obstruct things i know you guys aren't sitting there like we're maroon 5 we're tsa pre it's funny man james always gets me with something last time we interviewed him i had him on like episode three of this podcast and uh it's a great episode i think and uh yeah he got he goaded me into asking a question i didn't even care to ask anyway which is <laughs> what's the origin of the name maroon five which apparently is some inside joke where they won't, won't tell you <laughs> and i totally fell for it so you got me two for two james i'm gonna get you one of these days keep keep one eye open brother but seriously thanks for the awesome house and the awesome guitars Thanks to Zoom for the recorder. Thanks to Guitar Player Magazine. Many, many more podcasts to come. Say hi to say hi on the Facebook page. I'll put up some cool pictures of, of Jared and Jared and James, and also Jared's videos and stuff. Got to check out the Alpha Four video. All that good stuff. Got tons more episodes already in the can, and ton, tons more to come, including Steve Vai on June twenty fourth. You're gonna want to listen to that one. That one's a little ways away, but I already recorded it. I hope you like it when it comes out. Until next time, keep it alive till you're 95.